0: Hey guys, welcome back to part number two of the interview with Antonio Mesa from Antunes. The first part was about graphic recording, graphic facilitation, and NLP. And this part is about symbolic thinking. If you haven't listened to the first part, just jump back one episode and enjoy the first part of the interview with Antonio Mesa. Otherwise, I would like to invite you now to jump straight into part number two. And before we do that, a quick announcement about our volunteer program. If you would like to explore what it means to be a Picablo trainer, or you would like to become a helper in the training, then we would like to invite you to be a volunteer. From the volunteer, you can become a professional helper, and from there, you can become a trainer. If that's exciting, if that's an interesting thing for you, then you're very welcome to write us an email at hello at We look forward to have you as a volunteer and helper in the training. Welcome back to the BeCablo Radio, interviewing Antonio Mesa from Paris. This is the second part of the interview with Antonio. In the first part, we talk about Antonio's life story and his career as an NLP, so Neuralistic Programming Trainer and Coach. We look at the combination of NLP and graphic facilitation and how to record sessions using an iPad. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, feel free to jump back to episode number one. In this second part, Antonio gives you an introduction into symbolic thinking. Everyone uses symbolic thinking, and we don't have to learn it. For example, a person with hanging shoulders or a sad face would be seen as not resourceful, while a person on top of a mountain in the Superman posture would be seen as very energetic, right? Here, it doesn't matter whether it is a real person or a stick figure drawing. Symbolic thinking describes the process of creating an internal representation of a situation, scene or thought. We use all our senses to imagine the situation and create our own internal representation. Every person is different so that everyone creates his own emotional reaction about the scene. Understanding the concept of symbolic thinking makes you a better graphic recorder, as you can use those metaphors to tell more engaging stories, even about the most boring topics. Just ask what the topic means for the people in your story and find out the right metaphor. And now, without any further introduction, let's head over to Antonio, part number two. Antonio, you also said about, like, um, that you, something you're passionate about is symbolic thinking. Yep. And, um... To be, to be frank, I have never heard about the idea
1: of symbolic thinking. Visual uh,
0: thinking for me is like saying what do you mean about what do you mean by symbolic thinking?
1: This is a topic I could speak hours about. When we speak about visual thinking, it's just one part of non-verbal thinking. When we think, we think with internal representations. And we create internal representations with our senses. So basically when we think, we use we, we do use language, but we use also other types of sound. We use image and we use sensations. And very rarely, but it can happen, that we can also use olfactory and gustatory input. Olfactory, mm-hmm. like from scent, oh, yes, and so gustatory yeah. uh, input for thinking, like imagining. Yes. So the word imagining comes from image, from from an, from an image. It's like if we are creating internal pictures, mm-hmm. but when we are imagining, we're not using only images. We're using probably at least two or three of these other senses. So our imagination includes words and sounds and sensations and sometimes taste and and, and scent. Um, that's part of... NLP is very interested on decoding how we use the senses to create internal representations. Okay, so internal representations help us to imagine something that is not happening right now. Imagine something that happened before or that will happen in the future. But we don't use thinking only in a literally way. So I not only think about what I'm going to be doing tomorrow, the seminar and the content is not only linear thinking, it is um, it is symbolic thinking in the spacious, is, right? yeah, and not only spacious. It, it, there's a there's a component of space, yeah. But when I say, for example, the fact that we can think with metaphors and symbols, and we use them in our language, when you say, for example, uh, it's raining dogs and cats, it's an expression, but you immediately get the sense of something unusual. I'm very strong so this phrase creates an emotional reaction and that's the nature of symbolic language it's a metaphor that creates an emotional reaction towards something when you um, say for example well in the US they say uh, I feel like a million dollars so what is wh- how does a million dollars feel like but there's a there's an internal feeling that if you had a million dollars, then you could probably feel great because you could be uh, wherever you want, doing whatever you want. So maybe you feel free, maybe you feel happy, maybe you feel powerful. You don't know, but everybody has a specific personal meaning for that expression. So the phrase encapsulates a symbol. And an icon, when we draw an icon or a, a, any drawing in the board, becomes a symbol of something. When you draw, for example, a very typically a light bulb for an idea. What if, if you stop one second and think, well, why does it? Wh- why do we draw a light bulb when we're drawing an idea? Yeah, it's because of the light. It's because when the idea we comes, yeah. we are enlightening something that before was obscure, and now we can see better thanks to this idea. But we can relate to that even without analyzing, even without thinking about it. And we're trying to decode it, but in reality is the first language that we had even before being able to use articulated language with words. Yep. We were already using symbolic language to put, for example, a hand in a cave that would symbolize maybe a person, maybe a hunter, maybe a sorcerer, or maybe a whole community. We could put um, a special kind of animal and that would represent something else. It would represent probably the specific animal, but it could represent a whole herd or it could represent the season in which we are going to hunt. So it's Polysemantic; they has, it has has a lot of meanings behind. Um, yes,
0: on, on on that, I just yesterday had a had a chat with a good friend of mine. She's uh, yeah. the mother of two kids, yep. and she she made the point of that you actually that kids can learn uh, like a gestural language mm-hmm. in, in about mm-hmm. the age of five mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. So they can they say like this is milk. Yeah. And they come up with 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 hand gestures to to talk about that I'm hungry or something else. Yeah. And and this actually is far before they start speaking a verbal language. That's right.
1: Because it's a symbol that represents a concept. It's is like um, Chinese ideograms. Yeah. Each each ideogram represents an idea, not a sound, but an idea. And each idea connects to a specific feeling that we have. Now, when we speak about metaphors, that's, that's the power of metaphor and, and symbol. Um, you give meaning to something else. So you make a certain shape with your hand and you say, well, this is milk. hmm and if you're consistent about it, then you create the connection in your head and then you identify this is milk. So now something that has nothing to do with milk has the meaning of milk. Absolutely. And if I put milk and another symbol that is mom together, then is mom giving me milk. Absolutely. Right? And he's putting these ideas together that is so powerful because we don't oftentimes we don't have to use any time to decode them. They're already pre-decoded for us. We can relate to them immediately. There are certain signs that are culturally based, right? Certain signs that you do with your hands or that you draw. um, For example, the, the, the heart with an arrow, we know culturally that represents love or that somebody fell in love. But we, we had to learn that yes but there are certain symbols that we understand even if we, we didn't learn about it and those are the, the ones that are even more interested about like for example you draw you, you teach Vicablo uh, and bicablo uses a lot of the, the h- human body into it but if you pay attention to it even if the drawing of the human body is very simple it communicates emotion. Because of the position and the energy of the body, and that—that that I learned through animated cartoons. So very simple. You have a, a, a stickman that is
0: caved in, like c- yeah, yeah, caved in from a posture like yeah. weak, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, round. And
1: together you have a stickman that yeah. is straight up and raising the Express. arms. Yeah, you have two totally different emotions there. Yeah, and you don't need to know if the first one is depressed or sad or angry, yes. you just know that this person is not resourceful. And yes. you can feel it. Yes. And the other one, you don't need to know if he's successful or happy or what. You don't need to know the specific emotion, but you know that that's something exciting and resourceful. And that the two of them are very different. And you don't have to learn that in a dictionary. You just see that and you understand that for one, life is Gray, and for the other one, life is much more happy. Now, that's, that's a basic level of meaning. If, to that you add a couple of other little things that you make it more specific, but you start with a baseline that everybody can relate to. So, when you draw a character, you have to pay attention to the shape of the body exactly. to communicate the right emotion.
0: So, the way, w- the way we talk about it, it's like I let the people, I'm not teaching them to draw... The emotion yeah. figures of Picablo, for example, I just let them explore it. And then we debrief what is the shape, what does it look like? How mm-hmm. does it um, How's the body posture? Mm-hmm. And um, then it's like, what is the angle of the shoulders or the hat? And all those things that really, they, they come up with it. Everyone knows it already. Yeah. It's like this this uh, unifying, like everyone speaks, uh, understands the language. It yeah. just need to reactivate to, to, to also speak the language, right? When you yeah. draw... And and um, I'm just while you while I was listening to you, I have one thought, and Mm -hmm. it might be interesting to explore that. It's like if you imagine a a not resourceful, maybe a sad body posture. Mm -hmm. He's maybe has like floppy hands, just hanging down. He's like shoulders are hanging sad, but he has a smiley face. So that becomes an interesting contradiction. And I, th- I, I'm, I'm, i having a guess here, but I'm. This might lead to fun, to joke, to like it's something that this. If I draw someone who's like not aligned with the whole, it's not, it's not, yeah, like, it's not in in doesn't make sense in line, so it's like basically one part is is the opposite, and it looks for me like a joke, or like. Well, in that case, it it depends
1: a little bit more on context, but for example, the first image that came to mind when you were describing this character is somebody that just finished a marathon. Yeah. So you're exhausted, but happy. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And a marathon, it can be a real marathon, but it can be a symbolic marathon. So it can be that you just finished a huge project that took you months and work and stress and you were not sleeping, but... You finish your project, and you got a race, so you're exhausted but happy, and it's a marathon. So that's another symbol. So sometimes we say I'm in a an, in a marathon of a week. What do you mean? But everybody understands what you mean. You have you're in a lot of putting a lot of energy, and it's very exhausting. And you don't know if you're gonna finish, but if you finish, then you're a champion. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how symbolic language uh, works. Um, a very good reference for that is. Um, Californian cognitive, I I don't remember, I always forget the name of his discipline, but his name is George Lakoff. George Lakoff? George Lakoff Mm -hmm. from uh, California, and he explains the concept of embodied metaphors. Mm -hmm. Basically, what he says is that we can think because we have a body, and that every concept, every idea that we use has a minimum of physical component of sensation in it that you can relate. So, for example, when you speak about freedom, only, only by the fact of speaking about freedom, there is some change in your body that feels in the way that you feel free. And it's because of that that you can put some content of your own body and, and the, then the concept of freedom has some meaning for you. And if you speak about happiness, you have your own version of happiness. I have my own version of happiness. Uh, scientists will say that we all have the same biochemistry of happiness, but the fact is that we know how happiness feels in our bodies. Yes. So we can understand. The concept is not only intellectual, it's intellectual and embodied. And those together create meaning. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing recording, graphic recording, what is very important for me to, to grasp is a little bit of the emotional component of every piece of content. Because it can be content that apparently is very dry. If you're working for a bank or an insurance company, or uh, a law firm, um, you may think that the content can be very very dry or very uh, formal. However, one of the principles of storytelling, that's the other thing that I'm very interested in, is in storytelling. I'm also a um, public speaking coach. An element that is very important is that every information underneath is about people. And every goal, every strategy, every strategy, every um, achievement of a company, and every set of numbers, in the end, underneath is about people. So if you think about that, then you can represent any kind of information when you when you say what what does this mean for the people behind the numbers, for the people that are. Creating the numbers, the people that are producing or in charge of this company, but also for the people that are receiving the service or the law or the new policy that these people are creating. What is the result, and therefore, what is the emotional result for them? What is before and after, and then you get emotional content. Yes. And when you get emotional content, you have resonance with the group. Yeah, I you, think
0: as soon as you look for who's 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 basically affected of it. And who is who's participating in it? It becomes a story, and it becomes yeah. like a you have an emotional connection because you can basically join their role. Right, yeah. you become this hero, or you become this person who is affected by the hero. There might be the opposite, right? Might be negative,
1: or might be positive, and you really yeah. feel this this way. Absolutely. Like one one example of what I was just speaking about in terms of uh, embodied metaphors. Mm-hmm. I really... One thing that I I sketch very often is the person running inside of a hamster wheel. Yes. And everybody laughs about that one. I, I do that often when people in a seminar, they say, well, we're wasting a lot of energy and we're not getting anywhere. Or I feel that in my job, I'm doing so many things and I'm achieving so little. And then I know, okay, this one is often the case that people will resonate with that and why is that you see we see the person running inside of the hamster wheel you know that they're using a lot of energy and not going anywhere and everybody laughs with that yeah why because you can relate to the situation you can relate to the energy being spent and no distance happening
0: and everyone has seen it and it's a everyone can relate to it because you might have been in this life situation like everyone like,
1: exactly yeah. yes exactly yes, yes. exactly nice. so that that's an example of embodied embodied metaphor
0: um i think it's a great introduction to symbolic thinking it's really good as i don't know the topic so well yeah um is there anything missing to give like a three a, a round view around symbolic thinking so you talked about the senses and how we make sense out of Yeah, how we how we think. It's not just visual, it's not just visual thinking. It's the senses, so all senses we
1: use is visual and you create and an mostly emotional sensation, yeah. sensation and visual and obviously sound. For example, another example is when you draw a person on top of a mountain. It's similar to the marathon example. Yeah. People can relate to that because even if you've never climbed a mountain, you know that is something that it requires a lot of time and energy in order to get there. But once you're there, you're a champion and you feel uh, you feel great when you're there. So when you draw something like that, it triggers their own, and this is probably what is missing in terms of symbolic um, symbolic thinking. When you draw a metaphor, like the person on top of a mountain. It is a person and it's a mountain. It's a person on top of a mountain. But everybody will relate in their own way with the content of their own life to that drawing. Yes. Everybody will connect to their own mountain, their own struggle, their own challenge, their own story. And everybody. So this mountain is a symbol for their own struggle. And the person on top of a mountain is themselves achieving of overcoming an obstacle. So it becomes an inspiring symbol. So it's a symbol because even if it's specific in terms of the drawing, it's open enough for everybody to project their own life in there. And that's the power of symbolic language. With the same symbol, you can connect with everybody because everybody puts the content of their own life into.
0: Nice. Thank Take you for this summarized. introduction to symbolic
1: language
0: <laughs> <laughs> to symbolic thinking. Really yeah. cool. Is there anything you'd like to share? Any projects you'll work on you would like to sh- talk about?
1: One one thing that I'm yeah. Also very that I've been exploring is also the the, the power of graphic recording in coaching sessions. Mhm. Because most of the time I think we think about it as a tool for big groups and seminars, etc. But as a coach, I've been doing a lot of live sketching in front of my client and it's very, very powerful. Because in the end, they have a visual representation of the journey that we went through together in the coaching session. And it's much more powerful than handwritten notes. Sometimes... That's ah, that's the other part that sometimes I I do. I don't do it often, but I've done some workshops getting people to do their own graphic recording um, without a formal language like Vicablo or other one. But I help people to discover their own way of representing things with a little bit of storytelling and a little bit of basic uh, sketching skills. For example, I get people to play Pictionary first. Yes. And they have fun doing that. And after doing that, I say, "Well, you already did a lot of it without knowing. You already did a lot of graphic facilitation because you're you get an idea, you represent visually. So now you're gonna do it for each other in, about a conversation. And what is very interesting is collaborative, um, collaborative." visual thinking when you get a whole team of i don't know five to seven people working together in the same piece of paper Mm. i say well i did this a couple of times you have to collaborate and represent visually together where you are today and then in the other extreme of the page now you're going to represent visually where you want to be yes and then in between afterwards, now you have to represent visually how you're going to get there. You
0: bridge the gap. And you bridge the gap. Whatever. And Climb over the mountain. What is very
1: interesting is they use these old sorts of metaphors and symbols. Obviously, they're having conversation together. But in order to represent it graphically, they have to come up with their own visual representations. And it doesn't matter if they have good or not so good drawing skills. What it matters is the, in the end, those symbols represent something that they truly believe into, and that they achieve together as a group. So I'm I'm very interested on using visual uh, language, visual representation as a tool for collaborative intelligence.
0: And the other thing that happens there is, like if you see like what we see and what we do by mm-hmm. by visualizing together, yeah, actually like. Y- you show more about yourself it's this is the subject of vulnerability yeah like because you connect much deeper you see my failure that i can't draw a sheep like you can yeah Yeah, yes or whatever or or like uh, any animal i'm not good in that yeah and you see like i'm trying and i'm maybe fail and we just laugh about it so you connect much stronger through that and know each other better and so just by doing that together Mm -hmm. Going a bit out of the comfort zone. Already that connects you. You're bonding between yeah. the people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and I guess the last thing I would like to share is also, I I belong to this Facebook group of graphic facilitation around yes. the world. And I see all the, the conversations. Very interesting. People publishing photos of their world. Is, I think it's very, very inspiring. And one of the topics that I've seen recently is about animated videos. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people that we do graphic recording, we get asked about animated videos because the whiteboard videos became so popular uh, a few years ago. And I think people just assume that we can do it, or that everybody can do it. Um, and I guess everybody can do part of it or some of it. Um, But because I was trained on screenwriting and on on video production, then I do enjoy a lot doing that kind of work. So I've been doing a lot of that recently and very happy about getting some work doing that because then I get the collaboration since preparing the script with the client, then developing the storyboard together in a collaborative way. And once it's validated, then producing the video with the sound, the voice and all that. So... I think what is very interesting, because is work that can be well paid. Yes, um, it's interesting to use your skills as a graphic recorder and enhance your skills with some storytelling, so that you can support a client to really tell a story in two to three minutes, that then you can represent visually uh, afterwards. But once once you're very clear about what is the core message that you want to communicate? Mm-hmm. The power of these videos is that they are also mesmerizing because you see the animation in front of your eyes and you listen, you pay attention, and something, you, something happens that you connect with the content and they're memorable. But they will only be effective if they're truly connected to the core message. So in my experience doing videos and also with uh, public speaking, is that the first step is to be really really clear about what is the what is the message and the intention of this video then the fun, fun part of writing and illustrating comes later but most of the work has to work with your client on being how you're going to use it and what is the effect that you want afterwards yes once you have that the rest is uh, creative and fun but you don't want to do all the part all the other part without being clear on those two questions before. Because if you want to tell too
0: many things in once, it becomes very quick abstract and you can't really
1: and get this skill. It will become very expensive yeah. in time and money yeah. for you. Yeah. Because the result will be ambiguous. Yeah. Your client won't like it. Yeah. They're gonna say, Yeah, it's fun, but there's something missing. Oh, yeah. but we forgot to say this. Ah, but uh, what if these people say it and that uh, So you want to answer all those questions before so that you can come up with a result that is very crisp, that is to the point because you have a point. Mm. And then then you can have fun with all the creative part, but really pay a lot of attention and and spend a lot of time on being clear on what's the intention and the message and how they're going to use it. So that then your work is valued for what it really is, which is the capacity of conveying content in a fun way.
0: Awesome. Mm. Antonio, I think it was awesome to talk to you. Thank you. If I'm anything missing, otherwise I want to thank you absolutely for coming around. And it was amazing to have a deep dive into symbolic thank thinking. You. And it's really cool. Um, how... You're obviously traveling the world as you just traveled from Paris to yeah. Melbourne, but like um, how people can get in touch with you if they are interested in your work?
1: I have a website, it's www.antoons.net. That's the website where you can watch a few of my videos, where you can see some of the examples of graphic recording or illustrations from books. And my contact information is there.
0: Perfect. Antonio, thank you very much. Have a nice evening.
1: Have a nice evening, you too.
0: Hey guys, if you enjoyed it, then please jump over on LinkedIn and share it with your friends. And maybe jump over on iTunes and give us a thumbs up, give us a rating. That all helps that more people get to know the podcast and can enjoy the show.